Now, how did three college students end up creating the DoorDash food app delivery empire? If you're wondering how, then you'll want to stick around with this Imagine Talks podcast and listen to this encore of Stanley Tang, who interviewed at the Imagine Talks annual symposium. Stanley Tang is a Hong Kong billionaire tech entrepreneur. He's best known as the co-founder and chief product officer of DoorDash. DoorDash had its IPO in December 2020, making Tang's net worth an estimated US $2.2 billion as of December 2020. Now, here's Stanley Tang with The Road to IPO. Gloria Zhu, and I'm here with Stanley Tang, who is the co-founder of DoorDash. Stanley and I have actually known each other for quite a few years because we invest in social impact documentaries and new media companies together via Bearcat. But of course, we're here to learn a little bit more about Stanley's journey and about DoorDash. So uh, just to get started here, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yes. Um, thanks for having me, Gloria. So um, I actually grew up in Asia. Uh, so I, I was born in Japan, um, and then my family moved to Hong Kong when I was two years old, uh, and that's actually where I, I, that was actually the city I grew up in. And then 10 years ago, um, I came to America for college uh, when I got into Stanford uh, to study uh, computer science, and that, is, that, was, that was where I met uh, my future co-founders, Andy and Tony, where we went, went on to start DoorDash together. Yeah, and, and did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Yeah, I, I think for me, um, I've, I've always loved technology. I've always loved building stuff. Um, I mean, when, when I was growing up, uh, I was uh, always surrounded by, by computers and, uh, and, and uh, I, I would just make websites for fun um, on, on the side. Um, you know, like, like initially it would just be really simple websites uh, mostly just content websites like you know how to how to you know about soccer about magic tricks those are kind of the areas I really enjoy doing and then and then one day I realized actually you can actually make money from from this if you just threw um, you know Google ads on it and it, and that's kind of when I started realizing kind of this idea of um, you know combining technology with, uh, with 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 business and entrepreneurship. Um, so I, I, you know, I've, I've um, always just loved making things, building things. You know, uh, I think I've also, you know, built like a um, like a news aggregator reader. Um, you know, uh, eventually got into more complicated applications like uh, like a like a like a like a mobile app, like a mobile social network app. Um, I've also dabbled around with a scheduling tool. Um, and then and I think the last thing I guess we were working together uh, just happened to be DoorDash and that was the the, the most successful one. So um, yeah, so, so for me, I, I think it's, it was more, I've always loved building things and that just happened to lead me to entrepreneurship. Yeah, it sounds like you've had quite a few entrepreneurial forays. Uh, and of course, uh, with the recent uh, IPO of DoorDash, can you tell us a little bit more about how you met uh, Andy and Tony and that journey? 
Yeah, so I met, so Andy um, was actually um, in the same freshman dorm as me. Um, so we, we, we we're, we're good friends. And then we met Tony um, actually through, through class. Uh, so he was at business school, Stanford Business School. Uh, you know, Andy and I were um, undergrads and we, we actually met through a, a, a entrepreneurship kind of design class together. And, um, and, and really initially um, it was kind of just like a, we, we got together to kind of just work on a class project together. Like we didn't know we were trying to start DoorDash or a, you know, a, a delivery company. Uh, actually, the, the, the reason the three of us sort of bonded together initially was because uh, we all had this shared passion around helping uh, small businesses. So, so the original idea was actually to work on a project around, you know, what are software or products we can build to help, you know, these local um, local small business owners. Uh, so, so what we did was we just, you know, you know, decided to just talk to a bunch of these business owners, um, you know, on, you know, near, nearby Stanford, um, you know, and we'll just walk in whether, you know, these were not just restaurants, right. But these are like, you know, local retailers, flower shops, furniture stores, et cetera, just trying to understand, you know, what are the problems they were facing on a, on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, for, for, you know, for, you know, to, to help with our, to, to, to kind of learn about, you know, challenges we can help solve for them. And I remember, uh, one day, uh, we, I, we walked into a, a macaroon store on University Avenue in, in Palo Alto and, you know, we're, we're chatting with her. And then I remember in the middle of our conversation, she took out this really thick booklet and she started turning kind of over the pages and 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 turns out this was this was actually a booklet of all her orders and something we noticed was all these orders um uh actually a lot of these orders had the word canceled on it right like just pages and pages of canceled orders and and all these canceled orders had one thing in common they were actually delivery uh orders like people called in uh, they heard about kind of their, 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 their macaroons. They wanted these macaroons delivered to like maybe their office or for like a, for a party. Um, um, but the problem was, uh, the macaroon store owner, uh, didn't have any capacity to actually fulfill these deliveries. Like she, she saw delivery as sort of a great way to, you know, expand her business, grow her reach. Um, but she didn't have any drivers to actually go fulfill it. And, and that was kind of the, the light bulb moment for us. And we talked to more uh, small business owners and this delivery idea kept pop popping over and over again, right? People um, saw delivery as sort of this great potential to help expand their reach beyond just, you know, the customers who are just, who just happen to walk by their stores. Mm -hmm. um, but there just weren't any good solutions, to, um, you know, as, as, a, as a small business owner, if you wanted to offer delivery, you really only have one of two choices, right? Like the, the first choice is um, you can do it yourself, you know, hire your own delivery drivers, which is uh, oftentimes the route most people take. Uh, but the problem there is then all of a sudden, you know, you're managing this delivery fleet, right? Like you have to hire drivers. Uh, you probably don't have enough orders just as a single business owner to sustain like a full-time delivery person. It's just, it's just a lot of headache. Um, 
So oftentimes, you know, most people just don't don't deal with that at all, or, or they do it themselves personally, right? Like the owner or the manager will go uh, do these deliveries. It's, 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 it's a huge headache, headache for them. Uh, so then the other option is, okay, if you don't want to do the deliveries yourself, why don't you just hire a third-party company, right? Like, like companies like FedEx, UPS exists, you know, to help deliver packages across the country. I'm sure, you know, there are services out there that can, that can also deliver packages, you know, that's maybe just three or four miles away across town mm -hmm. um, and again we looked into this and, and it turns out actually there weren't really any good solutions I, I, either I think the closest thing we found um, was were, were sort of these courier services that you know oftentimes uh, basically like bike messengers that, that maybe more specialized towards you know legal doc delivering legal documents and medical supplies that, that, that was often the use case uh, but they definitely weren't designed to handle kind of local like like commerce right? like they're not you know they're not designed to you know just deliver a box of chocolate or your, your dinner um because you know because oftentimes they're 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 really expensive and mm -hmm. and uh and usually weren't um uh weren't technology companies right? they, didn't, they didn't really use a lot of software um so they weren't particularly efficient. So that, that was sort of where we saw this opportunity where, okay, like if we can actually build sort of a more efficient kind of, you know, delivery network and we use software um, and, you know, and, and algorithms to kind of power this instead of kind of pen and paper, uh, could we actually build something that was um, a lot better, a lot more efficient, and it's, it's almost like delivery as a service. Like if, if you're a restaurant owner or a small business owner, you need a package delivered to your to your customer. You can just call us, and we'll send send a driver over, and and, and we'll fulfill it for you. Mm -hmm. uh, so so that was kind of where the idea came from um, for DoorDash. So the way we then um, uh, set about kind of tackling this problem was uh, we we. You know, we, we decided to actually run a very simple experiment because because we realized, you know, yeah, I mean, at the time, keep in mind, you know, we were just three college students, right? Like, like, you know, it's not like we had delivery drivers ourselves either, mm -hmm. or like, you know, dispatch software or like trucks or any of that. Uh, so, so, but but so so what we did instead was, you know, we 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 decided, you know, instead of building all that stuff out, why don't we just run an experiment first and see if customers actually uh, wanted deliveries uh, in the first place, because if customers aren't really requesting deliveries um, for, you know, from these uh, local businesses, then it's, it's probably not really worth our time trying to um, build out this whole like logistics network. So uh, we decided to run an experiment, uh, and, and, all, and the experiment was pretty simple. It was um, decided to, hey, let's start with restaurants first, uh, since restaurant is like a, you know, use case that people, you know, restaurant delivery is a use case that people are familiar with. Mm -hmm. uh, why don't we find a bunch of restaurants in Palo Alto that, that didn't offer delivery, which is most restaurants in Palo Alto, by the way. Uh, why don't we, you know, go to their websites, you know, find their menus online, put it, aggregate it, put it on, on, on this kind of landing page, right? And, 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 and we'll, and all, all this landing page said was, Hey, do you like, do you want to have delivery 
uh, food delivered from these, you know, 10 restaurants we, we found for you. Uh, if so, call this phone number. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that phone number was basically, um, you know, our, our personal phone, personal cell phone number. It was, a, it was a kind of a Google voice number that ran our, all of our phones. And we put it out there and the idea was really just to see if we put this website out there, would people start calling this phone number? And if enough people um, started calling, then maybe we can take this data and go back to the, you know, the, whether it's the macaroon store or the restaurant owners and say, hey, look, there's a bunch of people calling, they want delivery, let's work together and we can figure something out. Like we, we weren't exactly sure uh, yet. Uh, and, you know, it was a really simple website uh, and we call that website paulaltodelivery.com um, and we put it out there and actually fun fact, if you type paulaltodelivery.com today, it actually redirects to, to DoorDash. Um, so this was um, January, 2013, we put this website out there we went back to our dorm rooms. We honestly weren't really expecting anything. And all of a sudden, you know, a few hours in, maybe it was like an hour or two hours in, or um, we, all of a sudden our, our, our phone ran. We picked up the phone and it was someone um, who came across palatodelivery.com. Um, you know, no idea how I discovered it, but but uh, but he, he called in and said, hey, I want to order um, some Thai food. From, uh, I think it was Bangkok Cuisine. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was shrimp pad thai and egg rolls. That, that was the order I remember really clearly. And, and he said, hey, like, do you, I came across the website, I'm hungry. Like, do you actually offer delivery? And, and originally the, the idea behind his website was if people called in, we would tell them, oh, this is just a test. You know, it's just an experiment. This is not a real delivery mm -hmm. service. Uh, we're just gathering data. Uh, but I feel like <laughs> when we got that first phone call, um, you know, it, it kind of felt bad just telling him this is we, this is a fake service. Um, you know, we can't deliver your food. So instead, we decided, you know what? It's just one delivery. Uh, it's not like we're doing anything. Uh, you know, I don't think any of us wanted to do our homework that evening. So we decided, you know what? We'll actually do this delivery. Well, why don't we just treat it as, as, a, as a learning experience? Uh, so we, we decided to call in a takeout order to the restaurant ourselves, got in a car, drove to the restaurant, picked up, picked up the food, and made our first ever delivery on uh, through 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 paulaltodelivery.com. And then um, the next day, you know, we got another phone call. And then the day after that, it became like two phone calls, three phone calls, five phone calls. And the next thing you knew, everyone in Palo Alto and around Stanford campus started calling this phone number. You know, they've all heard about this food delivery service from their from their friends. And it kind of just kind of snowballed from there. And, 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 and we were sort of the initial delivery drivers ourselves. You know, we would be taking calls during class and then we have to go get out of class and then get in our cars and do this to, to, do, the, to do the deliveries. Everything was manual. Uh, it, was, it, was pretty, it was pretty crazy, but I think that was when we knew we were onto something here and we decided, um, you know, maybe to take this a little more seriously. It's not just a, um, a dorm project anymore. Uh, so we decided to, um, you know, come up with a new name, uh, you know, came up with the name DoorDash, rebranded, re um, and then uh, launched that summer in Palo Alto, and then sort of, um, and, and, and things just sort of um, snowballed from there. 
Yeah, and that's an incredible origin story. And it's really interesting seeing how far you've come uh, when looking back. And so with that, I also uh, want to ask, were there any challenges you faced uh, during, uh, during the early days or, um, you know, in, in the past few years uh, when yeah. starting DoorDash? Yeah, I, I, think, I think, I mean, it was definitely pretty crazy in, in the early days because everything was just manual, right? Like, like, like we were like sort of the, the initial delivery drivers. And I think a lot of it was, you know, figuring out how to actually scale this thing. Like, 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 how do you actually handle this, all this, all this volume? Like, like we had to kind of build software, um, and product kind of on, on the fly. And, 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 and I think, um, for our business, it was especially hard to scale. Um, because, you know, we're it, it, delivery such a kind of a, it's different than scaling software, right? It's not like you can build software once and then just, you know, clone it um, infinitely, right? Like every incremental delivery you're, you're adding on is is a real world delivery, you know, something that's happening in, in, in the real world. And it only gets harder and harder, right? Because there's just so many scenarios you have to account for, like, like doing deliveries and in Palo Alto is very different than doing deliveries in New York, right? Like, like traffic's different, weather's different, you're dealing with different restaurants. Um, so a lot of it is, is, is learning how to scale the products in a way that where, you know, whether you're doing 10 deliveries a day or a million deliveries a day, ensuring that every single one of those deliveries still goes 100% smoothly. And that's really, really hard um, because it's, you're dealing with real world product like, like, and, and, and there's so many things you can't control. Um, you know, things are gonna go wrong. Um, there's so many variables, yet you have to, you know, ensure you can still pull it off at scale, right? Like, like doing 10 deliveries a day, uh, you can probably manually look at, you know, look over every single delivery to make sure they go right. When you're doing a million del deliveries a day, it's, it's a lot harder. So um, how do you sort of scale your product and your technology as your volume ramps up and is, was, was, was a huge challenge. Right, and I, and I think the other piece when it comes to scaling is probably um, scaling team and culture. Um, how do you go from, you know, when it's just Tony, Andy and I, you know, doing deliveries to then, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're, you're building out a team of um, engineers and salespeople and ops people. Uh, you know, you go from like 10 employees to 50 to 100, 200 to 1,000. Um, and that becomes also much harder, right? Right? Because when you're, um, you know, when, when, when you're a small team, it's relatively easy to enforce culture because everyone's in the same room, you're always together, you know, you can just, sh you know, the way you communicate is pretty simple, right? You just shout across the table right? and, and everyone hears you. Uh, but then when you're, you know, 2000 people distributed across 20 different offices, um, you know, you don't know everyone personally. Um, how do you ensure the company uh, is still sort of making decisions as if, you know, it's still just the three of us there, right? And, you know, there's no way we're gonna be able to be in every single conversation, every single meeting. 
Um, so scaling culture becomes really, really hard. Um, you know, getting a thousand people all pointing in the same direction is much harder than just getting 10 people mm -hmm. um, pointing in, 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 in the same direction. I think um, those are definitely been, um, those are those are definitely kind of the big challenges that come to mind. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. And, and that's a really great um, insight into what it's like to build a company and at scale. So I know at Imagine Talks, um, there's a, a lot of attendees who are extremely creative, extremely ambitious. So do you have any advice for aspiring entrepreneurs? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, probably, probably come two things come to mind. Um, I, I, I think, I think, I think the first thing is, is when it comes to entrepreneurship and building a company, I think the, the most important thing is making sure you're solving a, a, a real world problem. Right? Like companies, is, you know, startups and companies, it's, it's all about problem solving, right? And addressing a, a, a need that hasn't been fulfilled, right? Like, like you're actually solving a, 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 a problem or a specific customer pain point. Uh, or maybe it's an existing solution that doesn't really work that well. Like, like you have to be really, really clear about, you know, what's exact, what, what's the exact problem you're, you're, you're solving. Right? That's, I mean, that's the only reason why companies exist is solving a problem. And you have to just, just know really well what that is. And, 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 and the best companies can actually articulate the problem actually is actually in a fairly simple way, right? It shouldn't be this really complicated, um, you know, you know, sometimes like when people describe what their company's doing and they explain for like five minutes and at the end, I, like you still don't really know what, what exactly it, it does or the problem it's trying to address. So just being really clear about what you're trying, what, 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 what you're solving. I mean, when I, when I was in Y Combinator, they would constantly preach um, this, this model, like make, build something, or make something people want, and and and, and for us it was you know our, our problem was pretty clear right it was you know we are addressing um, deliveries for small business owners right like small business owners need a way to deliver their products to their customers they don't have no one can deliver for them we'll come in and help deliver um, that, that 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 was basically our our our, our problem um, that we were solving. Um, so I think that that's probably the most important thing is, is getting that right. And I think the, the second thing is, 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 is probably starting small. I think, um, like, I, I, like, I, I think, you know, I mean, every, obviously like when people start companies or startups, you know, everyone aspires it to be this kind of, you know, huge thing one day. Uh, and, and I think one of the biggest mistakes I see is, um, people trying to, when they're just starting out, treating like their, their startup as if it was already a big company, mm -hmm. right? Whereas I think a much healthier way of thinking about it is treating your startup almost like a side project, right? Like, 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 like for us, like we treated it like it was, it was just like a class project. It wasn't a company. Um, and, and I think it, it's, it's, it's kind of, I, and I think it, it, it takes a lot of the burden off your shoulder or, or pressure off your shoulder of like, um, oh, this is like an actual company and, and you, and, and, 
and, and I think it just ends up distracting, right? Like you end up doing all this like company stuff, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, I need to put together a business plan, a fundraising deck, um, you know, I need to get office space, hire employees, uh, and you know, like like a lot of stuff that honestly have very little to do with um, actually build, like actually helping you like start in the first place, right? I, I mean. You know, it's, it's, you know, whereas if you kind of treat it more like a side project and, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot less pressure, right? Like there's more room for, to, to fail. Like, oh, that fails, it's not a, it's not a big deal. Um, I'll just move on to the next thing. And, and it's only when you know for sure that, okay, you're actually onto something, you actually found a need, a problem that's actually, um, that's actually worth solving, and you actually have a really unique solution that seems like the the, the um, you know you found a group of customers that really value it. Then you decide, okay, like maybe there should be a company, and and then scale from there uh, versus just trying to force yourself to start a company, right? Yeah. And I think because uh, like honestly, like like all like in, in the beginning, like the only thing that matters is. Are you building a product that people want? Um, none of and, and none of the other none none of the other stuff like actually matters in, in, in the beginning. Yeah, it sounds like you have to build a MVP or a minimal viable mm. product, and don't go too crazy in terms of hiring people or thinking like you're operating like a big company. So yeah. you can constantly iterate mm -hmm, um, exactly. and, until you get to product market fit. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, well, that was really inspirational. Thank you so much, Stanley. Again, Stanley is the co-founder of DoorDash and thank you for the wisdom, um, points of advice, and hopefully that can help our as aspirational um, entrepreneurs in 2021. Yeah, thanks for having me and uh, good luck, folks. Thanks for joining us with this encore interview with Stanley Tang. To learn more about Imagine Talks, go to www.imaginetalks.org. Edge Interns and Mental Power Hacks supports this podcast. Edge Interns sources the best interns to the best companies. Learn more at edge, that's edgeinterns.com. Mental Power Hacks is where you'll get life hacks to boost your mental performance productivity, and success. Connect with us at mentalpowerhacks.com. Subscribe to us and get the latest episodes of the Imagine Talks podcast, Achieving Success, Social Impact, and Overcoming Obstacles. See you next episode.